Now, uh, I don't know if you've ever had the misfortune of having to endure me trying to start a conversation with you. <laughs> this uh, may have been just before G2, uh, may have been even one of the first times you've come to G2, uh, and if so, you may realize that I'm actually quite bad at starting conversations. After the initial, um, hi. <laughs> my mind often draws a blank uh, as I rack my brain trying to think of something to say at all. I often panic and end up resorting to the first thing that comes into my head. And more often than not, this relates to either the temperature inside the room or the temperature outside the room, <laughs> or both. Um, but I think the worst example, um, probably, of me trying to get a conversation off the ground was with two people um, a few months back, just before G2. And I can't quite remember who they were, uh, which is probably a good thing, but I just want to apologize to you if you're here. What happened was, after the initial kind of, hi, how's it going, um, I just thought I'd ask them how long they've been going out, to which they replied that they weren't a couple. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, that's just one example of me trying to start a conversation and failing miserably. But I find the same thing with prayer. Trying to start a conversation with God can be a real challenge sometimes. And when I try to pray, the conversation kind of falters and I panic about what to say. I find myself unable to get the conversation off the ground. And then my mind has all these things buzzing around. Things like, oh, this is a bit of a waste of time, surely. There must be better things I can be doing. Oh, when was the last time I really prayed for any length of time? It's been a while. I really need to make more time for prayer. Why does everyone else seem to find prayer so easy? And all these things can create such a huge burden. I don't know even where to start to pray, and I give up so burdened by discouragement and overwhelmed by the enormity of prayer, I often find it simpler not to pray. Do you ever find the same things come up for you? Or maybe for you, the idea of prayer just seems a bit ridiculous. Maybe the world you live in, the people around you would seem shocked if they knew that you prayed. Maybe you yourself sometimes think that it's a bit absurd that we shouldn't be relying on talking to God. And I also have times where I find the concept of prayer absurd. Breaking the silence by speaking into the seemingly empty void above us can make us feel absurd. But the problem is, contrary to that, that we sometimes find ourselves with the urge to pray. Perhaps a prayer of last resort prompted by tragedy or a prayer of thanks for beauty or birth. But often we find ourselves thinking, it just seems ridiculous that surely as a child gives up relying on a comforting blanket, so too we should stop relying on the comfort of offering prayers to God. So this lands us in a situation that when the impulse to pray strikes us, we find all kinds of resistance and criticism arising in us that while nothing is simpler than speaking to God, nothing is so firmly resisted because of its implications. Surely we should be self-sufficient. Surely in growing up, in moving away from home, and earning our own money, and having our own children, we shouldn't be relying on something so simple as talking to God. We should be able to solve our problems ourselves now. And prayer is surely reserved for the weak and the dependent. We pride ourselves on our self-sufficiency. And so in starting the conversation of prayer with God, we find ourselves 
overcoming this aversion to stop and cross the line into prayer. Or maybe we don't want to start the conversation because we think God doesn't care what we have to say. Maybe our view of God is something like a Victorian schoolteacher who would rather punish than understand, who prefers criticism to curiosity. Have you ever come to pray with those thoughts in mind and just get filled with self-doubt and awkwardness? Do you have this view that when you come to God, he would rather silence us than consider what we have to say? That God really doesn't want to hear from where we're at at the moment. So when coming to pray, in trying to get this conversation off the ground, we're faced with all these objections, these insecurities, these doubts, these fears. And I realize there'll be some people here who see that video and it doesn't excite them. They don't look forward to the series on prayer because of all these issues that come up whenever you try and pray. So the question is, faced with all of this, how do we even start to pray? How should we tackle this question of starting the conversation with God? Well, it seems reasonable to start where Jesus started. So Jesus, um, his first training program was the Sermon on the Mount, delivered over several days on a mountainside, and it's recorded in the beginning of Matthew's Gospel. And in it, Jesus outlines the way of life that brings us into contact with God. It was an invitation from him to live the kind of life that he lived And it's a great place to learn how we can begin our conversation with God as we start this series on prayer. So in Jesus' first words on the Sermon on the Mount, he sketches out eight poetic statements, each of which is an invitation to explore more of God. They're called the Beatitudes, blessings that Jesus pronounces on certain ways of life. And it's through these Beatitudes, spoken on a mountainside 2,000 years ago, that Jesus invites us today to meet God, to begin the conversation with him in the here and now. And we're going to explore the very first one today, Matthew 5, verses 1 to 3, which says, Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His, disi- uh, and sat down. his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. I realize this verse is a bit incomprehensible. We don't really use phrases like poor in spirit or kingdom of God in everyday language. Well, the kingdom of God, what Jesus is talking about is the stuff of God. Jesus is inviting us to begin an exploration of the stuff of God. But what about being poor in spirit? It's not really obvious what that means when you first read it. To know what this means, we need to understand the context into which Jesus is speaking, the context in which he begins this teaching ministry. It was a culture of honor and show, elitism, exclusivity, and hierarchy, a culture in which the religious elite, the Pharisees, would look down on those that they considered had no honor. The prostitutes, the lepers, the Gentiles, the unclean, people of no spiritual value, so-called spiritual zeros. Those who have zero religious or spiritual experience, zero spiritual credentials. And these religious leaders said that such people were far from God, far down the spiritual pecking order, and they had this spiritual hierarchy such that these spiritual zeros were placed firmly at the bottom 
And when I was reading this, it really reminded me of the movie that LJ kindly mentioned before I spoke, um, The Grand Budapest Hotel, which is one of my favorite movies. Bear with me here. If you've never seen the movie, um, I'll just explain. Um, I'm going to show a clip of the bit where the boy, who's called Zero, is wanting to work as a lobby boy at the prestigious Grand Budapest Hotel. But the hotel's concierge, Monsieur Gustave, is not too pleased at the choice of um, recruit. Let's watch the clip now. So from the first moment that um, Monsieur Gustave lays eyes on Zero, he makes him feel like he doesn't belong. He doesn't belong in the role that he's been hired for. Experience, zero. Education, zero. Family, zero. He's even called Zero. He makes clear that someone like Zero, in his position, doesn't really belong in a role at such a famous hotel. It's a bit like what happened in the culture that Jesus was in. The religious leaders would make those whose spiritual experience was zero, whose education, spiritual education was zero, feel like they just didn't belong. They were surely too far from God to be speaking to him. They were spiritual zeros. But we see here in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus turns this on its head. He's saying that the spiritual zeros, the poor in spirit, those who many considered far from God, were the ones to whom his kingdom belonged. It's the spiritual zeros with whom God wanted to start the conversation. Now remember, these are the very first words that are recorded from Jesus' very first training ministry. He thought this was so important that it needed to come up front and center at the very start. Jesus came to turn people's views of God's kingdom on its head. Jesus' message was that the stuff of God was available for those who felt like they didn't belong. Those who'd been segregated, separated from the people of God. That God's kingdom was all about connecting with those people. Those who'd previously been told that they didn't belong now found a place to belong. It was to these spiritual zeros that the kingdom belonged. And God wanted people who didn't belong to know that he wanted to hear from them. It's the same with us. Have you ever felt like a spiritual zero? Have you ever felt like zero in that clip walking into church? Have you ever felt like you just don't belong? Have you ever felt like God would never want to hear from you? that you don't really feel like you're in the right place to be starting a conversation with God. But Jesus' words are still true today. If anyone has ever said to you that you're a spiritual zero or worse to that effect, that's not how Jesus views you. Maybe you've never been to church for fear of not belonging, or very rarely. Or maybe you've been to church for years, but honestly, you still feel like you don't belong. Well, Jesus is saying, it's to you, the kingdom of God belongs. And God wants to meet with you exactly where you're at, that anyone can talk to God. There's no hierarchy. And God doesn't want to hear more from one person than from another. And here to G2, there is no spiritual hierarchy. You don't have to try and be like anyone else. And the exploration of the stuff of God is not solely the preserve of the seemingly spiritual it's the same for prayer. 
Starting the conversation with God is not the preserve of anyone in particular. There's no hierarchy. And it's a challenge to those of us who think maybe we've got it all spiritually together. Being poor in spirit is to acknowledge that we don't have it all together. It's an openness to new ideas, that we're not totally self-sufficient. A willingness that maybe our hardened views of God may be wrong. That our notions of God may fall short of grasping what he's really like. And that we have no place to patronize or to look down on anyone else. An attitude of being poor in spirit is to be willing to change our minds, to open ourselves up to God. To be poor in spirit is to be willing to accept that our opinions and beliefs are potentially alterable. But on the other hand, to be spiritually rich, what does that look like? Well, maybe it's living, thinking we know everything about God and everything about our lives. To be closed off to God and being so spiritually rich that we see no point really in meeting with him. No point in starting the conversation. But to be poor in spirit is to live with the realization that we know so little about God, that we only see in part, and that even more we don't even know ourselves. Being poor in spirit means admitting that what we don't know far outweighs what we've been able to grasp so far, that there's more of a mystery to be sought out than we realize that there is still a lot to explore together. Being poor in spirit spurs us on to prayer. It spurs us on to start the conversation. And by blessing the poor in spirit, Jesus is saying that we can meet God wherever we're at. He doesn't look for us to get it all together before starting the conversation with him. So often we think we have to put on airs and graces, pretend to be something that we're not in order to meet with him, to start praying. We think God wants prayer maybe to be really formal, to put on an attitude, to use the right words. So what that ends up doing is just means that we avoid contact with him. We avoid starting the conversation. Because we think that, well, God doesn't really leave room for what really matters to us. Um, Roger Brotherton says on the first beatitude that maybe we feel like God is interested in our presence but not our personality. He knows the number of hairs on our head, but doesn't really care what color we dye them. God is not looking for people who offer him a seamless performance. The kingdom of God belongs not to the seemingly religious, but to the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, not those who think they've got it all together. So Jesus is saying that if you don't think you know all there is to know about his kingdom, then yours is his kingdom. God is wanting to communicate with you and values hearing from you exactly where you are at. So if you're uncertain about faith or about um, exploring God, you don't need to know everything about God before you talk to him. You may not even fully believe he's listening to you. But having an open spirit doesn't require us to believe in God, but to simply acknowledge the possibility that he may be there. Openness allows the possibility of faith. Um, for those who've been living with God for a while, Jesus is encouraging us still to be open to God. Are you still open to the possibility that there is mystery left to discover? That there's a point in starting the conversation. Being poor in spirit is to acknowledge that we don't have it all. 
figured out. An openness to knowing more of who God is and what he is like. Do you meet God where you're at? Or have you become so used to putting on a show for him or using the words that you think you ought to use that you don't really know how to be yourself in front of him anymore? In either case, Jesus wants to hear from you where you're at. However poor in spirit you feel, that's the place where God wants to meet us and that's the place that we can start the conversation. So we're just going to spend some time starting or restarting the conversation with God. Jesus blessing spiritual poverty means that we can meet God exactly where we're at, that if we come to pray and we don't know what to pray, then we can say that. If we don't know what to say, then we can just say that we don't know what to say. We can begin by saying we don't know where to begin. And what looks to us maybe like spiritual incompetence, God accepts as a gift our willingness to take the risk of opening ourselves up to him and sharing our most secret thoughts with him. Our desires, our hopes, our fears, our failures. So I'm just going to lead us through a time of prayer, an exercise which involves us sharing ourselves with God to help us just start the conversation by talking about how we feel or what bothers us, who we're grateful for or aggrieved at, what confuses us or excites us. It's just an exercise in spilling out to God um, whatever's going on, allowing some requests to form and offering these as some simple starters for prayer. Um, So I'll just explain what we're going to do. We'll have a bit of quiet just to still ourselves before God and then just tell God what you're intending to do and just ask that he'll listen to you. Now that might feel a bit strange Um, So you might want to tell God what you're intending to do. Maybe you could even say that you feel a bit silly doing it. You could just open with a statement like, Lord, I'm going to spend a few minutes talking out my thoughts and my concerns with you. I ask that you're here and listening to what I'm saying. And then just talk to God about anything that's on your mind. The key to starting is just sharing where you're at. No posturing, no airs or graces, no formality. Just take your time and ask yourself, what, does re- what really matters to me right now? And just talk out to God whatever seems pertinent, whatever seems relevant. And then once you've talked out an issue to God, see if you can just find a simple need or request that you'd be happy to just turn into a prayer, just a single line of prayer. You might want to consider how you say it and then just state it simply and straightforwardly. And then just repeat this process of um, chatting through with God, your thoughts, sharing with him, and sculpting them into lines of prayer as many times as you like with whatever concerns arise. Um, Then you may want to just draw things to a close by thanking God for hearing your prayers. Now, it might seem a bit weird just thanking God in advance for something. It might seem a bit premature, but it comes from a long spiritual tradition of gratitude to God for having heard our prayers. Something as simple as, thank you for listening. Amen. So why don't we do that now? I find that really helps me to close my eyes when I pray. You might feel the same or not. It's up to you. But if you'd like, close your eyes and just enjoy a few moments of silence. Silence.